everybody. Welcome to Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. Hello. Hello. It is a happy day when we get to talk about horror and do some horror facts and such today. So we'll do some horror facts. I wanted to mention that if you guys like to read and you want to get free things, be sure when you're on Goodreads, because Goodreads is the best place, really, and this isn't an ad. No one pays us for this, but it, Goodreads is a great place to log your books and review them and have communities and such, and we have a reading challenge for 2023 on there if you want to join us for that. And we also have a voice chat with our book club every month or so. So I'm always looking for new books. So what I do on Goodreads is I enter all the giveaways. Sometimes I just sit there mindlessly entering giveaways because it's super easy and I make sure to enter for the horror ones. So recently I, I've won a few things, but the one I wanted to tell you about is we read in our book club a book called The Uninvited that we all really liked for the most part by Jennifer McMahon. And I just won her... This doesn't come out until October 3rd, actually, so this is a not-for-sale reader's edition, but it's called My Darling Girl, and it's her new book, and it's a psychological thriller. Nice. And I'm really looking forward to it, so I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to check this out and read it. I'm going on vacation soon, so I'm going to read it on the plane and and give you guys a little review of it so that you can hopefully go out and grab it because they gave it to me for free because I won, so that's great. Sweet. Let me just say it's the artist and children's book author Allison O'Connor has never been a fan of Christmas, but it's right around the corner and her loving husband is busily decorating their cozy Vermont home. And then Alice gets a call. Mavis, Allison's estranged mother, has advanced cancer and has only weeks to live. Her dying wish is to spend her remaining days with her daughter, son-in-law, and two granddaughters, the rebellious teenager Izzy and precocious elementary school uh, schooler Olivia. Alice is reluctant, but when terrifying otherworldly things start happening upon Mavis's arrival, Allison begins to suspect her mother is not who she seems. As the holiday festivities spiral into a nightmare, she must confront just how far she's willing to go to protect her family and prove her own sanity. So looking cool. forward to that. that I'll bring good. it to the show. And if you guys, I don't know, want more reviews of books, we certainly read enough to do that. Very good. Yeah. I would like to give a list of the 25 horror movies that were based on true stories. All righty. Okay. I've seen a lot of these. This yeah. first one, first one actually terrified me, which is The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Uh, the original is from 1976, and then they remade it in 2014. The Hills of Eyes, 1977. It's really creepy to think that some of these are actually based on. We know the Amityville Horror, 1979. Nightmare on Elm Street, 1984. Mm -hmm. Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. Yep. We've talked about that one, 1986. Dead Ringers, 1988. Silence of the Lambs, 1991. Cannibal, The Musical, <laughs> 1993. <laughs> Your favorite. Scream, 1996. And we've talked about that murder on our show before. Dahmer, 2002. The Mothman Prophecies, 2002. That is for Pepper on Discord. Open Water, 2003. Shark film. Wolf Creek, 2005. Borderland, 2007. I have not seen that. Blackwater, 2007. The Girl Next Door, 2007. A lot of these, The Strangers, 2008. I had no idea that that was based on a true story. Yeah. The Possession, 
2012, The Conjuring, 2013, mm-hmm. The Sacrament, 2014, which is an Eli Roth produced film, The Conjuring 2, Veronica, 2017, which my understanding, this is a very f- terrifying film. I, I don't think I've seen it. Mm. I don't think I've seen it either. Veronica is supposed to be, I've, I've read about this one before. It's a possession film. It's a Spanish language horror film based on the so-called Vallecas case of 1991. I think it has to do with uh, her playing with a Ouija board, if it's the one that I'm thinking of. And it got a lot of attention, the actual case around it. And then they made a movie in, 20 for, in 2017. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. We'll have to watch that one yeah, sometime I, and, when and we're really in the mood to be depressed. It's, or- it's been one that's like been in the scared back of my mind um <laughs> and i th- but i have heard it's pretty pretty flipping scary so well maybe we could do that w- with the true story which is what we do here on the show a lot which is that's true probably yeah. why kathy was reading these articles is that a lot of the shows we like to do lately we d- we've are, done shows on them yeah our cases ripped from real stories the town which, that dreaded sundown would be another fun one i think to yeah do. we'll put it on the list man cool. we will put it on the list i also wanted to quickly mention that I want to direct you to our website, terrortalkpodcast.com, because we have some articles there that are pretty interesting. And one of the articles that's going to be coming up in July, I just have to edit and format it and all of that, but it's it's been written, is an article called Reading Material for Your Ears. And it was an inspiration from, from ICE. Uh, who's been writing articles for our website for a while. And he had the inspiration that, like, you know, he reads a lot of the horror books with us in our Terror Talk uh, book club. And so he, what he did is he went to Spotify and he made playlists for listening to music while reading these types of books. Oh, that's really cool. I know it's such a cool idea, right? And so there's an article and then there's links to his Spotify list that can help you he finds that they help him remain attentive to the reading because, you know, we wander. Well, and creates a little atmosphere. It's a mood, right? That's really cool. So I'll be working on that and getting that up. So be sure to, um, you know, enter your email address at our website so you can get the get the latest articles as fast as they come out. But I want to mention that because I know he works hard on the articles yeah, and they're actually awesome. really well written. So Very there good. you go. Thanks, Ice. Now we're going to do a little thing that we like to call... Mm-hmm. Horror Facts with Cass. Shannon, are you ready for number one? I'm ready. Originally, this 1941 classic horror film was titled Destiny and later renamed Blank. Mm. Okay. Intriguing. Number two. The movie Barbarella, not horror, but sci-fi. Yep. Influenced which 1980s band? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Okay. Number three. Why do refrigerators have magnetic strips on them? Hmm. So you can put a bunch of stupid shit on them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Number four. You get three. I'm going to give you three options for this one, okay? All right. The Romans used this for toothpaste. One, powdered mouse brains. Wait, mouse brain? Yes. Okay. Powdered mouse brains. Yeah, I I got it. (laughs) Two, (laughs) powdered breast milk. You and the nipples. And three, powdered paint. 
<laughs> That's delightful. <laughs> <laughs> and then five, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974 was produced on how much of a budget? Mm-hmm. And to give you a hint, low budget. <laughs> it, this was considered a shoestring budget even in 1973. Yeah. Yep. I have heard about that one. We'll see if I'm right later. Hey, so in our book club, we we read a book called The Revelator, and we just or Revelator. There's no the actually by Daryl Gregory. And we just finished it really recently. So we'll give you a heads up on that real quick. And then we just started watching a book called, watching, reading a book called Tell Me I'm Worthless by Mm -hmm. Alison Rumfit, which is a much quicker read. Mm -hmm. And it is a queer novel. It's horror. It's in paperback. It's it's also gothic contemporary. And it's it's got some very uh, controversial sort of interesting themes in there controversial depending on your viewpoint so uh, we're, we've started that one or about a weekend so if you want to mm-hmm. join us please do and uh yeah what did you think of the revelator i liked it it was different from what we usually read it was for um, sure uh, i think you had described it like a southern gothic which i yeah. think is a great way to describe it i really enjoyed the depth of the characters mm-hmm. um even the ones that just sort of came in and out of the story. I think they were written very deliberately. The The hero was a very strong young woman. And the book kind of goes back and forth from different decades where she's younger and then a little bit older and back and forth. So I really loved following her along. She was very strong. To me, there was enough... Horror is not the word, but I think there was enough... Well, there get, was a lot of atmosphere. There was a that. lot of atmosphere. It, it kind of, it, the way that I pictured it when I was reading it, it was almost like I was looking at a painting. Yeah. Because yeah. It, it was very descriptive. I thought that the relationships and the dialogue almost just read like a film. Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. They so, did. And I, I think that attests to the, like the character development. Yeah. Right? Like you, you're saying like you really like the characters. I did too. Yeah, it was well developed that way. So I think it made the rest of the story that... I'm not as big into like folk horror or Southern goth. It, if it's done well, great. But this, because the characters were so deep and it was very vivid that I was very much pulled into the story. I was um, too, especially yeah. for like the first half or so, you know, mm-hmm. it, I was really in it as because I really liked the main character. Mm-hmm. I think if you, if you enjoy Southern Gothic, you would like this. If you enjoy revivalist history, you know, when they have revival tents and stuff like that, there's that, that atmosphere to it as well. She's a moonshiner. So that's kind of interesting to look at. It's kind of a badass, so a strong female character. And then it does get a little hoary, hoary. It gets hoary. It's hoary. It gets horrific. <laughs> There's some horror in the last chunk, but if you're expecting a strict horror novel, you're not going to get it. So I liked a lot about it, but my criticism, I guess, for myself is that the ending left a lot unanswered and it read a little bit like there would be a number two because there is a horror Mm -hmm. horror element in it Mm -hmm. that doesn't really get resolved. And you, and you, and you want, you want to know kind of some other things, but I'm, I'm okay with not knowing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've left it behind already, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but, 
but it does kind of like you want a little bit more. I, yeah. I was I was I was left feeling like you know I don't mind left wanting. They didn't but tie like, it up for you. Yeah, I, I I wanted a little bit more horror. Gotcha. In the end. Okay, fair. but whatever. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the read, and now we're on to the next. All righty. All right. What did you watch? Well, I know that you watched this with us on last night, but uh, I finally got around to seeing Brooklyn 45. Mm-hmm. I like this uh, director a lot. And on Discord about a, two months ago, I watched another film by him called um, We Are Still Here. And his name is, I, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, but it's Ted uh, Geohegan. I don't know if that's right. He's a, a queer filmmaker, American filmmaker and publicist. He did another documentary that I watched a while back with one of my very favorite drag queens, Alaska Thunderfuck. <laughs> She's Alrighty. amazing. It's called Queer for Fear. So he's done a bunch, but he I've been waiting for this one to come out. And Anne Ramsey stars in it. It's called Brooklyn 45. Uh, five military veterans, best friends since childhood, gather together to support their troubled host and the metaphoric ghosts of their past become all too literal. So it takes place, it's a time, you know, time period piece. It takes place um, right after World War II. The set is literally one room. And um, they are all being hunted by literal and, you know, proverbial ghosts. Uh, so there's political elements in it and there's existential elements in it. Um, there's a lot of horror. There's a lot of gore at the end, which I absolutely loved. Um, I like this director a lot. I think he does haunting stories in a very, very clever way. We Are Still Here was super different, but it's still the atmosphere of it was like, it just really pulls me in. This this one felt a little bit more like uh, an Agatha Christie whodunit type of um, set. It almost read to me like a like a stage play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could see this in like a black box theater. Yeah, or something. for sure. For and sure. so I personally really liked it. I, I think I just really like him, and I liked the cast a lot. Yeah. But it was very different. And you know, there's there's moments of the film where horror is kind of absent i mean at least the horror the, the the blatant horror it's horrifying in other ways but it starts off horror then there's this story arc and then it ends with a lot of horror but i don't know what did you think yeah more of a thriller yeah so it's a thriller horror and it's uh it's also could be a christmas movie by the it way could, guys. it could be it's uh it takes place in december 1945 so all these people have a connection through being in the war together and it takes place in brooklyn as well so if you if you like that sort of thing and there's a uh, seance so if you like that kind of thing <laughs> and yeah great acting I, what I really liked about it was the actors mm-hmm. uh, would I throw it on again no mm-hmm. but I did enjoy the acting I, I enjoyed a lot of the relational dynamics that are going on and it's definitely listed more of, as a thriller than a horror but there were horror aspects there mm-hmm. was possession there were ghosties there was a there seance was there was some gore there at the end and some uh, interesting moral choices so yeah. you know yeah enjoy <laughs> and it's on shutter so yeah you know hey go for it i watched a movie that's relatively new that is released on hulu called jagged mind so this is a new queer horror and you know it it starts out unapologetically queer which is what i really like about it in other words it's not really about I'm queer and how do I come out and everybody's marginalizing me. You know, we've seen that story a hundred times right now and, and Kathy's prepping and, and researching for a queer horror story, uh, horror story for a queer horror episode that she's going to do uh, in the fall. And so I imagine she's probably seeing tons of stories about 
people that aren't out and and that kind of thing. It, it's mm-hmm. one of the pieces that I think the trauma of of the queer community uh, likes to explicate in their horror and i appreciate that and understand that but it's wonderful to see other things yes it's wonderful to have other stories going on so this one is this film follows billy who is a young lesbian who seemingly has a blessed life she has friends an active sex life in fact the first scene of the movie is sex which is delightful and an incredible job working for an art gallery At the same time, however, she's begun quietly struggling with an increasingly serious issue. Her memory is beginning to fail her. So she's having blackouts. She's doing lost. She's having lost time. She's getting confused and scared. However, you know, there's this new woman. She's met this new woman who's named Alex and who seems almost too good to be true. To explain further would deprive audiences of some of the fun. So there's a lot to unpack there, but that's the basic premise of what's going on. And so this movie is directed by a female. Her name is Kelly Callie. And she discussed how, you know, there are, there's actually voodoo in this film. And, and we've done episodes before where we looked at films that had voodoo in it yeah. and, and how it can be, especially back in the eighties, you know, in movies that we actually really loved it very much marginalized um, mm-hmm. a whole community and, and looked at voodoo as, you know, evil and all, and all of this black magic and all that. So she wanted to be very careful about how she depicted voodoo in this, you know, it's a religion and we can't, she says, we can't continue to perpetuate these negative images of it. We need to respect it. And so to that end, Callie added characters that would enhance and enrich the religious aspect to avoid the tokenism and exotification, like the exotifying voodoo, like, Oh, the mystery of it. She, she kind of broke it down so that it was more respectful, I think. And that was the only thing that she changed, but she uh, will in that aspect, but also when she first read the script, I guess her feedback, she's like, I I didn't think I was going to get hired (laughs) because Mm -hmm. the feedback I had for the script was that it reads like a couple of white girls and I think we need to have a, a black girl as the main character and that they're in an in interracial relationship because the Alex character is played by a Caucasian woman. And also we need to change where it's being shot because it's the original script said it's being shot in Manhattan and in Manhattan art galleries, it's mostly white art. And so you know, we've seen that and she, I guess she told the executives that it just read like two white women. And I think the lead needs to be African-American or Afro-Caribbean, especially if you're going to deal with uh, voodoo and respect that culture. So they ended up changing it and, and she directed it. And I guess she comes from an interracial couple. So she is a woman of color. Her parents are interracial and, and she remembers like what it was like walking outside with her parents and, and having people be passive aggressive about that and or staring and all the microaggressions of that. So that was, uh, you know, a, a personal thing for her. So I watched this movie and I enjoyed that it was queer people being queer and that wasn't the story. Yeah, it just happened to be queer. Yep. Uh, be, but also it's a relational situation and it's got that time fucked up memory fucked up thing going on and it's basically toxic relationships built on childhood trauma by all of these people while engaging in voodoo with your memory fucked up yeah so it's horrific 
because that sounds horrific, right? <laughs> and there's some really kind of fucked up relational dynamics going on. So I think anybody in a relationship at all will understand what that feels like when people are like your, your own memory is literally gaslighting you. It's interesting in that way. I thought the acting was good. And like I said, it's horrific, but I wouldn't expect a traditional horror film, but I did think it was an interesting piece of cinema. Well, the, uh, what is fascinating to me is just the way that it came to life. Like Mm -hmm. that story behind, is interesting because I think that now if I watch it, that just adds more to the meaning of it, I guess. Yeah, for sure. No, I, thank you. I'm, I wanted to share that because that's exactly what I mm-hmm. wanted to do was just like let everybody in to. Well, it's funny too there. when people ask like, well, why, why, why a queer couple or whatever? It's like, well, why not? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it just happened to be. And like you said, it had nothing to do with anything other than they just happened to be queer. Yep. And we need more of those. It's also one of those films where the ending, you might you might have to like look up. So what just happened? Because yeah. because of the, you know, there's that movie from years ago uh, where they were messing with memory and going back and forth in time. And it was really very popular. And it's a little bit like that. You end up being gaslit as an audience by the end and not knowing what what's up, what's up and what's down, which I think is always just like an awesome thing to do to an audience, like an audience that will roll with you through that. That's like a really adept filmmaker. And, and you guys might watch it and say, I did not roll with it. I did not mm. like it, but I did. And so by the end, I was having that visceral feeling of like not knowing which end is up. And having to like Google, so wait, what happened? Mm-hmm. I think I know what happened, but I'm not sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I don't mind. I don't yeah. mind that. I think that's a really interesting way to go. So, I watched Hollywood Dreams and Nightmares. Okay. Which is um, Robert yeah. England's documentary. So it's not getting the best reviews, but guys, it's a it's a doc, you know, and it's about his life. So you know, there there are a lot of comments about, well, just it just read like his extensive IMDb page. I did not get that feeling. I think um, what I really loved about it was one, they, you know, clearly interviewed him in real time, but they had a lot of footage from his past. I think for folks who don't know him outside of Freddy Krueger would, would not, they would not believe the extensive horror, like CV that he had prior to becoming Freddy. And then Freddie just sort of made him. And he talks about at one point, I just had to lean into that and go, okay, people love Freddie. I'm going to have to keep doing this. Yeah. Some really great folks that were interviewed, Kane Hodder being one. I appreciated his story because I think that he has fallen into just being this trope, yeah. uh, this one character. And what I liked about the documentary is it really made him multifaceted or dimensional. And his wife, at one point, she's, well, she's really funny throughout it. And and he's very much in love with her. So that was a really sweet touch to the documentary. But at one point, he's talking about how he's rehearsing something with her. And all the while, she's upstairs and writing on a script that later would be known as The Lost Boys. And I thought that was, (laughs) so it, 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 you know, references back to just a lot of the, what was going on at that time and how he came to be in Hollywood and some of his motivations even for Freddie. And he, there's one scene where he's talking about how he shows up to set and he's got to sit in this miserable makeup and look like shit. And he sees Heather Langenkamp and Johnny Depp. And he's like, Oh man, they're so young and beautiful. They have their whole career ahead of them. He's like, 
oh, I'm going to use that. And then it became <laughs> this, you know, motivation of hating them that he used in his character. But I just think it's great. He goes, it goes back to showing movies from like when he was working with Toby Hooper in the 1970s and also um, his days in theater. It also shows how flippin' funny and kind he is. I love to hear stories about actors who've done work like him and not one person in that documentary, and you can tell that it was very ingenuous, mm -hmm. really, like, not one person said a, a bad word about Aww. him. He just seems like he's just such a delight to be on set with and super flipping humble. And um, obviously, I'm a huge, you know, 1980s slasher fan, and I had to watch it, and I really, I enjoyed it. I'm glad. Yeah. It's definitely on my list. I'm really looking forward to watching it. I also watched this a brand new movie called The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster. And I specifically sought this movie out because I was waiting for it because it's a retelling of Frankenstein. Mm. Now, it doesn't go, it's not, you know, a, a strict retelling of Frankenstein. It's 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 just got that in the story. It's inspired by a type of thing. So it's a 2023 Vicaria is a brilliant teenager who believes death is a disease that can be cured. After the brutal and sudden murder of her brother, she embarks on a dangerous journey to bring him back to life. This is a great movie. Like, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I just really liked it. There was just a bit, like, at the end, the end got a little bit like, okay, I, I needed it to end five minutes ago. I'm not sure why you tagged this on. But if, if I watch it again or read about it, which I probably will... I'll try to understand that more, but the setting is this young, very bright girl living in a very marginalized, poor community with a lot of drug infestation and her mm. mother has died and her brother is gunned down mm. and gang violence and she is going to bring him back to life wants to they set up that she's kind of a mad scientist person and just the way it's shot it took a little bit uh, to get going so it's, it's not a perfect oh, film she's but young but i really enjoy yeah the angry black girl and her monster so i i didn't know if it was going to be funny or something because of that title i'm gonna write this one down maybe i'll review it with you too because it looks good yeah it's a good one it, it's actually a, a, a good flick and i it's a great title as well and I would say that it's one of the better quote unquote Frankenstein riffs I've ever seen. And the way the story comes together, both culturally and with the Frankenstein type of story, it just fits really well. And I, I could see somebody taking this quote unquote monster and really ruining it by making it a franchise. <laughs> How, and what, where is it streaming? Do you know? I don't remember. Okay, I'll look it up. And it was a purchase. It's brand new. Gotcha. There's that. Oh, I see. Yes, it is. Okay. I, re I really highly recommend it because not only do you have a monster that you could really ruin with a franchise, <laughs> you know, like a Candyman type monster that you could that you could really take and, and make some more films with. But you also have good acting. You have mm. just like this cultural tie-in of the Frankenstein idea and of what the this young girl, I imagine she's not as young as she looks, but she is a great character and she really takes a lot. She really goes through a lot in this movie and it's there's a lot of serious shit that happens, but you enjoy it because it does have oh, this horror element and and all of that. So I would recommend it highly. 
Yeah, that looks really good. I'm going to see this for sure. Great. And then lastly, I'll just mention, I know it's not a horror, but um, I saw the new Transformers. <laughs> fun. And it was really fun. I saw it in 3D. Nice. And uh, I, we talk a lot about character-driven movies. And yeah. for a popcorn movie, it still makes you cry. Like, Aww. they just do such a good job, like, making the cars, like, you fall in love with them. Yeah. You know, and this one, you know, starts off... Uh, I think it starts off in Egypt. Okay. Which is cool. You like that. (laughs) Is it Egypt or do they travel? No, they time travel. That's what it is. Sorry. They time travel. So it goes to prehistoric to modern, but it's a really fun one to see in the theater. And uh, yeah, I'm a fan of those. Oh, me too. I think they're a lot of fun. All right. So let's get the answers to. (laughs) Today is the nonsensical day for. (laughs) (laughs) okay let's do it um originally this 1941 classic horror film was titled destiny and later renamed uh uh, i don't know (laughs) the wolfman oh nice interesting right nice the movie barbarella not horror yet (laughs) sci-fi influenced which 80s band name Mm. Duran Duran? Yeah, from the planet Duran Duran. Yeah, I've, I've actually seen Barbarella. Oh, my God. The <laughs> opening sequence, we watched it the other night. It's actually playing at this tiny theater on the west side right now, which is really, I'd, it'd be fun one to see in the theater. She's hysterical in it. Yeah, it's really, it's a fun, quirky, crazy, nutty, really ridiculous movie. Oh, my God. I watched it during COVID, actually. It's hysterical. <laughs> I didn't realize I had how never funny seen it. it. Neither had I. Yeah, yeah. Number three, why do refrigerators have magnetic strips on them? So I can put a magnet on your back and put you on it? Shannon, did you watch Punky Brewster? <laughs> I Not really. Uh, Cherry, the friend, okay. got locked in the refrigerator on one of the episodes, which was supposed to be a warning to all children to not play well, that in the was refrigerator. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, don't, I never really had an impulse to play in the fridge. So... In the 80s, they didn't have these things, and no. kids could literally, the kids died playing in refrigerators. Yes. So the refrigerators can open now because of that. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Just wanted to let you know in case you're playing around in your fridge. Kathy, don't play in the fridge. Number four. Because you could fit in it. Number four. <laughs> the Romans used this for toothpaste. Was it powdered mouse brains? Oh, God. Powdered breast milk? No. Or powdered paint? <laughs> No, it was the brains. Mouse brains. Okay. Got to be brains because I know she's always going to throw a nipple one in there. <laughs> and nobody's eating paint like an idiot. So I had to go with brains. Well, you never know. It was the Romans. I'm they were saying, using lead for makeup. Just saying I had you on that one. I don't nope. even know the answer. <laughs> I'm just glad it was not breast milk. <laughs> Me too. Number five. I mean, although that would yeah, have been. Yeah, mouse brains. I mean, that'd be the most edible. I mean. It's right there. Whatever. It's like water. I don't know. Christ. Number five, the Texas Chainsaw. <laughs> She's mad at it. 1974 version was produced on how much of a budget? Um, I wrote like 150K. 60,000. Mm. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. Wrong. Eh. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you want to support us, go over to Patreon and join us on there. We have a lot of extra content. Please follow us on social media and just keep coming back to listen. We really appreciate you. Thank you so much. This has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone.